We're on a mission from God. And now for something completely different. This is Pastor uh, Jolly John Lekumski uh, coming to you from Northfield, Minnesota. And this is Pastor Matt Youngblood Clark coming to you from uh, beautiful St. Louis, Missouri, where I serve as pastor at Ascension Lutheran Church. And uh, this is Wrestling with the Basics. Uh, uh, we are no longer, our, our sponsorship with the uh, Set Apart to Serve team, that, that is coming to an end, and we, we appreciate uh, the contribution they've made to our show, and I just wanted to say one last time uh, that if anyone is interested in the ministry or becoming a teacher, any kind of professional church work, uh, you can you can visit kfuo.org slash SAS. That's kfuo.org slash SAS. Or uh, we are your seminaries. If you're particularly interested in the ministry, uh, the website is weareyourseminaries.org. Uh, but anyway, so we thank those people for being part of our program for the last couple of months, and we wish them blessings because the uh, harvest is plentiful and the laborers are few. Um, uh, so I've got the latest news on, on the whole vegetable circuit. Matt, have you been keeping up with the big vegetable races? Well, that's your job, John. I'll, oh. I'll let, you, I'll let okay. you monitor that for both of us. Well, so so what vegetables have you been picking for your fantasy team? <laughs> There, there's a vegetable fantasy team, John? Well, of, of course. Don't you follow? It's all the gambling thing now. Everyone's playing on the vegetable fantasy teams. High you, stakes. High stakes, yeah. So so if you were going to pick a winning vegetable, what vegetable would you pick? Which Okay, well, I don't, I'm not sure what they're competing in, John. I'm going to have to plead <laughs> ignorance, but my money's on the broccoli. All right, all right. Broccoli's always a good choice, Matt. A lot of people bet, betting on the broccoli. But here's the big news. Because you know the the, the 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 winner has been for for a long long time it's been kale, right? <laughs> Everyone's been telling us kale. That's that's yes, the best yes, vegetable. Yes, I know. Watercress has beaten them out. All right. So Is those of you right? that are picking your fantasy vegetable team, look into watercress because right now. Watercress is the leader in terms of the very best vegetable to eat. Okay. Wow, I would not yeah. have guessed that, John. That's kind of, yeah. Boy. Well, that's why I wanted to get this news out to our people right away, because this is the latest thing in, in the whole vegetable league. And watercress has, at this point, taken the lead. And all I'm thinking is, I remember the time when watercress and kale was something you put on the buffet to make it look pretty. No one would ever <laughs> eaten it. <laughs> that's exactly it. Yeah, I would not have guessed. Well, the it's probably good odds on watercress. Yeah, I did not see that one coming. <laughs> we'll see if you can catch it early before people find out that yes, yes, watercress is what everyone's recommending. Well, thanks uh, for the hot tip, John. Okay, I know what I'm doing when we get off the air. When <laughs> <laughs> that's right, Place call up your book on watercress. <laughs> yeah, put a twenty on watercress. Um, so we have to finish something up. We, Matt and I were actually ready, excited to start something new, but we have to finish something up from last week. We've been talking about uh, Matthew 18 and the practical advice that God gives us when we uh, have to deal with a, a brother, a brother who's sinned against us. And, and, and last week, of course, we talked about the fact we, we just need to remember we're all sinners. 
Jesus says we're all little ones. And that's great because he loves the little ones. Trust me. That, that's the kind of people you want to be. You don't want to be the big and the great. You have no idea how God feels about the big. Well, we do know because he says he'll humble the rich. <laughs> but, but when we're poor, when we're struggling, we know for sure God's on our side. So I thought we should just kind of pick that up because we didn't deal with the practical advice that, that Jesus gives us about dealing with a brother that sins against us. Uh, do you want to read the passage? Do you want me to read it? Then do you want to respond? How do you want to handle this, Matt? Sure, I can read, John. Yeah, this is great stuff. And just yeah. emphasize practical advice. And I think as we read this, one of the things to recognize is the goal is reconciliation, right? That's oh, yeah. that's that's the goal. And so anytime there is, uh, you know, someone has been sinned against, whether it's, you know, us personally, whether it's, it's, it's someone in our work life, our family life, our, our church life, right? Uh, the goal is reconciliation. So to keep that in mind. Um, so, yeah, we're in Matthew chapter 18, beginning with verse 15, John. Should we yeah. start there? Yeah, let's just okay. take it verse by verse. Okay. All right, good. So Jesus says, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. And so there's your reconciliation thing, right? It's not just that, well, okay, we'll just you, you do your thing and I'll do my thing. But we want to be brothers again, right? We want to gain the brother. Uh, and and what's, the, what's the first bit of advice that Jesus gives us if that's our goal, is to be reconciled, like you said, to regain the brother? What's the first bit of advice he gives us? Yeah, so to, to go, to go and meet with them you know, one-on-one, it looks like, right? Talk to them alone. Which, of course, that, that's the big problem, and this is where we all have to confess that we're sinners because we want to tell everybody else about it, right? <laughs> he, the brother is yep. usually the last guy we go to. Yeah, we, we talk to our family, we talk to our friends. The stranger on the street, you know what Joe did to me? But, but all right, so that's number one, people. Really, focus on the brother. Go and talk to him. No one else needs to know about this. Uh, any other insights you see in that? that so first don't bit of put advice? it on social media. Is that what you're saying, John? <laughs> don't, Absolutely. Don't post it on Facebook, huh? <laughs> <laughs> and isn't that crazy, man? I'm glad you mentioned that because that's what we do now. Yep. We, we, oh, yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. So listen to Jesus, would you? He, he won't steer you wrong. Yeah. Uh, anything I, I just else? Can't, go, go ahead. I'm sorry. I, mean, I, I just cannot emphasize that enough, John. I think you're, you're exactly right. Jesus is right. Um, but as a pastor, you know, so often when there's conflict, and I, I, you probably saw this in ministry too, I mean, it's, it's because people start to, sometimes we call it triangulate, you know, mm. so this idea that, you know, when there's a sin against someone, you, you talk to them directly, and that's a good thing. But then you involve a third party, and all of a sudden it's kind of triangulated. It gets a little bigger, and just, oh, then, then it spreads the conflict more and more. And then, then there's more sins to pile onto it. So now there's gossip. And now there's, you know, he said, she said, and the Eighth Commandment uh, issues. So oh, the sooner you can just talk to someone one-on-one, as difficult as that is, uh, the better it's going to be for, for your relationship with that person and for, for the community, too, for your family, for your church, uh, for the workplace, where, wherever this is taking place. So, so there's the first bit of advice Go and talk to him alone. Yeah. Alone, it says. And, and thank you for reminding us that we, we live in a world where it is so easy to let everyone else know. This whole social media has not made things easier. I think it's why there's so many divisions going on in our country right now. But all right, all right, let's recognize that maybe, maybe he won't listen to us, okay? And so that there is, there is a step where we can bring it to other people. Do you want to read verse 16? Yeah, so the next step here, verse 16. But if he does not listen, 
Take one or two others along with you that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. So, so we can bring other people in if we're not getting anywhere uh, alone. But, but what is, what's the restriction about the people we bring in, Matt? Um, yeah, the, the, uh, the, the charge the, the, may be established uh, by the evidence of two or three witnesses. Right. Um, yeah, so it seems like they, they have a knowledge of this sin in some way. So, so the thing is, if it really is a private matter, if it's just between you and your brother, I'm sorry, there's nothing you really can do except keep going back to the brother. All right? Because uh, you can't go to the second step until it has become something that other people are aware of. Because that's what they are. They're not your cronies. They're not the people you've been talking to behind your brother's back. These are people, as you said, that somehow are aware of the situation. They are witnesses to the situation which would imply to me that now it's not just a thing between you and your brother, but it's something your brother's been doing to other people too. Okay, that's a little different character than we're starting with. Now it is kind of becoming more of a public thing. Uh, but I do think, again, it's so important. You, you can't go back unless these people are really just witnesses. They're, they're not in your favor. They're not your buddies. Uh, but but there are people who are aware of this same situation going on. Would you agree with that? Anything else you would add about that, Matt? Yeah, and I think there's just an Old Testament precedent for that too. You know that yeah, you know, when there was a wrong done, there would be witnesses. So and I think that was for protection too that someone isn't falsely accused. Um, so yeah, I think in in you know that's related to this. Um, but in this case, yeah, just to show that person, oh, there really is an issue here. <laughs> you know, there really is a sin that needs to be dealt with. Um, and again. I, I like how you said it. It's not just bullying someone or ganging up on someone, right? But this is out of love. This is for reconciliation, and they, they have a knowledge of, of the wrong that's been done. And, and thank you, Matt, for making that emphasis, too, because remember now we're talking about in the context of the kingdom on the right here in the church. Mm -hmm. uh, in yeah. the kingdom yeah. of the left, that, that's a different thing. You know, they're, yeah. they're uh, criminals. They will be charged. They will be brought before judges. But here we're talking about a, a fellow brother. We're just trying to reconcile to regain him as a brother. Uh, and and uh, so, yeah, if, if it is a thing other people are aware of, well, then we can bring them. And, and maybe that won't work. So there's yet a third step, uh, okay. which is verse 17. So Jesus says, if he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And then Jesus goes on, if he refuses to listen even to the church. Uh, tell, treat him, uh, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. So, so the thing that I always like to emphasize when we get to this part, though, is that now we're dealing with something totally different than where we began. Uh, because where we began, it was just a personal thing, just a private thing between me and my brother. No one else knew about it. I've gone to him. I'm trying to be reconciled with him. But, but whatever has happened now has, has gone way out of control. Now, now it's something that not just two or three witnesses are aware of, but the whole church is aware of it's become a it's become a public matter a public sin and it's also obviously become a matter of stubbornness too uh, I, I love the phrase here it says if he refuses to listen okay so so we've got a little beyond the guy just saying oh i, I don't agree with you uh, but now he's saying oh, I'm, i don't even want to talk to you all right and, and, and in that situation well then we have what the church calls excommunication where we actually say you're no longer part of our fellowship. Uh, and, of course, the scary thing for us as Lutherans, we believe that if we separate you from the fellowship of the church, 
we're also actually separating you from the fellowship of of the eternal church as well. As as if we would read on, it says, whatever you do on earth will also be bound in heaven. Um, Matt, have you ever done an excommunication in your church? Uh, yeah, you know, and I, thankfully, you know, it, it really doesn't usually get to that point, right? Yeah. And and usually what ends up happening is I talk to then as pastor, you know, and, and sometimes that's I, on the way I see it on behalf of the church, really, as pastor. Yes, yeah. Uh, to talk to that individual one-on-one, to sit down with them. Again, as difficult as it is, because it's not easy for us as pastors either, right, no. John? Uh, but, but even if they haven't sinned against me, then as a pastor, really representing the church, for me to sit down and talk with them. Or there's been cases where it's me, maybe an elder uh, sits down and talks with them. And usually that has, has been enough for someone to, to come to repentance and uh, for, for forgiveness to be even extended, you know, but, but that's difficult too. Um, yeah, yeah. So, so John, yeah, I don't know if you've gone through a formal excommunication and in your experience in ministry or not. Well, see, that's what I was going to say. We, we never did. We, we never did. Uh, and, and you're right. That, that's, that's probably the way it should be because this is the final step. And as we said, this is the step you take when something is now not just a matter between two Christians, but it's a matter between a Christian and the church. So we're talking something that's really impacted the whole community here. Um, on the other hand, I, I would also confess that there probably were some situations where, where, where we should have done that, where I should have done that. I, I won't blame the church. I'll blame myself as pastor. Uh, we had at least one instance where uh, a man had been unfaithful to his wife, and everyone knew it. It wasn't a secret. Everybody in the town knew what had been going on, and and uh, we, we probably should have went, and we should have confronted that man, and as a result, we, we lost him, we lost the family. Um, so, yeah, it, it's, it's a thing that needs to be done, but again, remembering that you start by just trying to deal with people privately, individually, keeping it as small as possible. But but when it does become a thing of of uh, public concern, public offense, then, then you need to do that. Um, you know, Paul talks about the, the fellow in Corinth who is actually having uh, relationships. And, and you know, you, you know what I'm talking about. He, he knew his, his, his stepmother in ways that you're not supposed to know your stepmother. And, and, you know, Paul said, hey, even Gentiles don't allow that. You, you've got to do something about this. Um, so, yeah, it, it should happen. Thank God that it doesn't happen a lot. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, yeah. the one—go ahead, Matt. Oh, no, I was just going to say, you know, I, I think that's a, a good distinction, though, too, John, you know, whether it's a, a private sin or a public sin. And there was one case where it was a sin that was pretty publicly known, at least— um, in the congregation, and this goes back a number of years, but that, um, yeah, then absolution was given to publicly. I think that's kind of a, oh, a, yeah. an important thing, too, that, again, to keep in mind that even with excommunication, that's, in many ways, that's the church's use of the law, and that law is meant to show us our sin. And if someone is unrepentant, boy, excommunication is a pretty strong word of law. Hopefully it's a wake-up call. But again, the, the goal is always reconciliation, forgiveness. And that person doesn't receive forgiveness as long as they do not repent. But when they do repent, when they do repent and believe, right, um, then the church 
yeah, we can welcome them back into fellowship. We can be restored to one another. And I think that's something important to recognize, too. Excommunication is not a, a permanent thing. It's just as long as someone doesn't repent, um, they have that, that word of law and excommunication. So, so here's the thing. And now we're back to what we talked about last week and back to the beginning. That's why it's so important you go through this process as a sinner yourself, okay? That, that you understand what we need to do is repent, and we need to repent so that we can understand God loves and God forgives us. That's that's what it's all about. Uh, that, that the emphasis here is not upon binding some on earth that they might be bound in heaven, but the emphasis is on loosing someone yeah. on earth that they might be loose. Uh, and, of course, I'm smiling uh, because that was the mistake the Corinthians made, see? Because they went at it as if well, we're holy and righteous and we're going to show this other mm-hmm. guy mm-hmm. what a jerk he is. And, and when he did repent and, and he confessed and he was sorry, they wouldn't let him back into the church. <laughs> and Paul, in his second letter, says, what's wrong with you guys? This is exactly why we did this. Uh, excommunication is not a process where we clean up the church, where we get rid of those kind of people. <laughs> yeah. But as you said, no, the whole process is the hope and desire that you'll realize, man, this is wrong. This is offensive to God, to the community, to the church. Uh, and then to welcome back with open arms, uh, with, like you said, this absolution, this assurance that, man, we've all done wrong. We all should go to hell. The wages of sin is death. But but the forgiveness of sins and life we have is with Jesus Christ. So okay. so thank you, Matt. I just wanted to pick that up. Anything else that you want to add to, to this practical advice about the brother of sins? Yeah, I would just say, uh, you know, this was an issue 2,000 years ago when Jesus spoke these words. It's an issue today. And uh, Jesus knows what he's talking about, folks. And uh, as difficult as it is uh, for us as pastors, for us as God's people— uh, to follow Jesus' words of instruction and to seek to be reconciled. I just encourage you to do that. Um, don't hold a grudge. Don't don't wait for someone else to be the one who who initiates conversation. But no, go and talk to that person that perhaps has sinned against you or there, there's a conflict with. Uh, be restored. Uh, have that burden of unforgiven sin and conflict and grudges and revenge lifted and seek to be reconciled. And I think when we have experienced that, then that, that, yes. that is exactly what we will seek for yeah. our brother. Uh, and I, 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 yeah, and I think, well, John, yeah, I think that's, yeah. you know, a good place then, too, is just, you know, we have experienced that right in Jesus Christ. And, and you know, when we realize the, the level of our forgiveness, right, that we, <laughs> we deserve death and hell, but yet Christ has forgiven us, you know, that, wow, that motivates us to forgive. So now we're going to shift gears. Uh, we're shifting now to, that was Matthew, the end of Matthew 18, we're going to shift now to Matthew 20. Uh, I'm really excited about this, Matt. You and I both had an opportunity to preach on the laborers in the vineyard, right? That's what we're talking about? That's right. Yes. Okay. That's right, John. <laughs> well, you know, we don't do a lot of prep here. So, so I, yeah, all right. Yeah, I think our uh, listeners and, know that. <laughs> and, and I'm excited because this is one of my favorite parables. And, and, and I'm just excited. So Because here's the thing. The, the Lord gives preachers the stuff to preach. Uh, I, I hope that preachers know that. <laughs> and, and, he, and he gives us different things at different times and different places and different congregations, which is why you'll never hear the same sermon, uh, but they'll all, they'll all have the same basic teaching of God's love and forgiveness and Jesus. But, but it's interesting how, how the nuances will, will change depending on the circumstances. So I'm yeah. interested to hear what kind of treasures God 
brought to you in the parable of the laborers in the vineyard. Yeah, so um, I, I, I'm glad you brought that up this week yeah. in particular, John, because um, I myself preached this sermon to two different audiences. Oh, um, cool. So I, I preached it here at Ascension, where I'm a service yeah. pastor, and then uh, just a few days later, I preached it at Concordia Seminary uh, here in, in St. Louis. So two different audiences, and the text is the same for both, right? Yeah, and, and the yeah. work that I put into studying the, the, the original languages and commentaries and, you know, all that, all that thing, same work, same work. But two messages that, you know, were, were different in content, not entirely different in content, no. but, but yet somewhat different. Because in one case, I'm preaching to, you know, all sorts of people here at Ascension. In the other case, I'm preaching to a bunch of seminary students, deaconesses, and, and pastors. So... Uh, even in, you know, same, same text, even in the same week, but you're exactly right. Depending on the audience, the time, the place, uh, a different way in which we share that word. So, so now I'm really excited uh, because, you, you, you know, you, you preach to a, a, a kind of suburban, urban parish. You've, you've got uh, immigrants in that parish. You also preach, though, like you said, to a grunge of professional <laughs> church people. Yep. Uh, I came at it because I'm preaching to this little little town in uh, Kilkenny, Kilkenny, uh, Minnesota, just a little rural parish. So this will okay. be exciting to see how Good. God has gifted. Um, so would you like me to read it and then, then you start talking about it? Would that okay, work? So, yeah, so uh, I'm going that, to—that's fine. That sounds good. I'm going to—can we back up just a little bit, sure, John? Sure, sure. I'd love so, to back up. Beep, okay. beep, 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 beep. <laughs> that's, that's my truck backing up. Sound effects. <laughs> Very nice. All right, yeah, yeah. I miss our sound effects okay. from when we're in studio. That's, this, is, this is a little a lower tier of sound effects, John. No offense. Oh, I know, because we're, like you say, we're not in studio anymore. We used to have the professional sound effects. Now we have to make them up on our own. Oh, boy. Okay, so what I want to do is is the context of this parable, okay? All right, so, all right. So just, just to back up a little, so Matthew chapter 19 uh, what we have there is, remember that rich young man, right? Yep. And uh, he says, you know, being in verse 16, I'm just going to summarize, uh, you know, teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life, right? And, uh, you know, he talks about he's kept the commandments and all that. Um, and he says, you know, what do I still lack? I've kept all these. And Jesus' response was, uh, if you'd be perfect, go sell your possessions, give them to the poor, right? And you'll have treasure yeah. in heaven. Uh, and then he goes away sorrowful because he has great possessions. Wow, what a sad sad verse there. Um, so then Jesus talks talking to his disciples about this and talks about how, you know, with difficulty, a rich person enters the kingdom of heaven, right? Uh, easier to, for a camel to go through the eye of the needle than a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Uh, then uh, when the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished and said, who then can be saved? Uh, but when Jesus looks at them, he says, with man, this is impossible. With God, all things are possible. Okay, so now... Verse 27, okay, chapter 19, verse 27, um, Peter, the disciple, speaks up. And, and again, I think we talked about this last week a little bit. Um, when Peter speaks up in Matthew's gospel at this point, we all cringe. We don't, <laughs> what is this guy going to say now? And Peter puts his foot in his mouth once again, I think, here. So, John, would you mind reading that um, verse 27? Yes, and it's interesting that was the same verse that I caught too. Then oh, Peter great. Then Peter said in reply, See, we have left everything and followed you. What then will we have? 
<laughs> I know. Come on, Peter. Uh, yeah, Jesus, we've lost everything to follow you. What will we have? So Peter wants to make sure that he and the other hardworking, home-leaving disciples get what's right. You want to make sure they get what's right. And really, when you think about this, this question is born out of comparison. You know, Peter's comparing himself to others. So this rich young man who's not, who's going to stay rich, uh, but yeah. isn't going to follow Jesus. Um, uh, guess what? They, Peter left everything. He left his business, he left his home, he left his wife, it seems, as far as we can tell, to go follow Jesus. You know, what are we going to get out of it, right? Um, and then Jesus has that reply about, um, you know, his, his return and, and them even sitting on, on thrones. That's kind of interesting. Um, and then he reassures them that everyone who's left houses or homes or brothers or sisters or children or lands for Jesus' sake, for his namesake, will receive a hundredfold uh, and will inherit eternal life. But many who are first will be last and the last first. So that's, that's what leads up to this parable. But I, for me, the most important part is, is Peter's question where he starts comparing himself to others and, you know, see, Jesus, look at us. We've left everything. What are we going to get out of it? Uh, we want what's right. So that's, that's my lead-in then to the parable, John. And, 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 and if, if we could back it up even a little further. Oh, beep, okay. Beep, beep, beep. <laughs> the thing that you and I talked about uh, okay. earlier, uh, a week or so ago, uh, who is the greatest? Yep. Who is the greatest, right? That's that's come before this. And as you pointed out, what they were expecting at Jesus to say is, well, well, you are the greatest, right? Well, I mean, aren't they? Aren't they better than other people? I mean, he's got lots of disciples, but they're the 12. They're the apostles, right? Yeah. And so it's the same thing here. Well, of course we should have more than what other people have. Uh, uh, yeah. So I, yeah, I agree with you. See, the context is all about this parable, and isn't it interesting that it it has this thought: many are first and will be last, and the last first, which, by the way, is how the parable ends. Only he he reverses those words. But uh, okay, that's good stuff. Um, so I'm gonna. I don't know what to do here, Matt, because we got what an hour, an hour. Oh man, thank heavens we have an hour. <laughs> we have a minute. We have a minute and fifteen seconds. Yeah. Well, left. I'll, I'll share my my opening illustration that I use. All right, let's uh, do that. I and then the, we'll I use this, this at, at church at, at Ascension and at the seminary. But you know, Peter's attitude and, and comparing himself to others in particular. So I went to uh, Concordia University in Nebraska, and I was in the pre-seminary program there. So as part of that study uh, program, I took four semesters of Greek and and three semesters of Hebrew. Uh, and then I took these qualifying exams to get into the seminary and, and pass them. I was done with fundamental Greek and Hebrew, uh, registered for my first semesters of classes of the seminary. Uh, I, was, I was content. You know, life is good. I was content. But then, John, the, toward the end of the summer, I'm, I'm on the seminary campus, and they've got that big fountain uh, on the campus. You know what I'm talking about in front of the library there? Yeah, yeah. And there's, there's a bunch of celebrating going on, and it's these summer Greek students— who are, are jumping in the fountain to celebrate because they passed summer Greek. And, and I remember not congratulating them, but thinking, well, why don't I get to jump in the fountain? <laughs> when do I get to do that? And I, and I don't, right? So, it's, so, it's, so Matt, I, I, we're, we're out of time. You'll have to finish the story <laughs> next week on Wrestling with the Basics. <laughs> <laughs>